everybody. Welcome to Pale in Comparison. In this podcast, my sister uses her knowledge of the other verse to take a look at Pact, while those least appreciated work, and I try not to give away any spoilers. I'm Jenny, and Malia convinced me to read Worm. I'm Malia, and Jenny convinced me to read everything else. This episode, we are covering Bonds, chapters 1.4 and 1.5. Before we get into that, however, I'd like to issue a spoiler warning. This podcast is filled with pale spoilers. If you don't know who wins the Blue Heron Institute Wars and don't want us to tell you, stop now, read Pale, and come back to this podcast. As for Pact, there will be full spoilers through the chapters that we are covering. All right, well, we'll start with the chapter summary real quick, and then we'll get into it, okay? <laughs> well, a chapter's summary, uh, I should say. Um, <laughs> it's like attorneys general. What was that? Like, it's not attorney generals, it's attorneys general. Because generals and adjective, it's weird. Also, don't call attorneys general generals. They're not generals. They're not commissioned officers. My professor has about? a whole thing about this. I'm sorry. We can move on. Or like, it's like mothers-in-law. It's not mother-in-laws. What the hell? Sorry. Oh, okay. Chapters summary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, hopefully some of you can understand that better than I just did. Anyway, Blake and Rose have a discussion about how different their family lives were. Rose tries to pitch him the idea of becoming witch hunters, which he isn't too keen on. They're interrupted by a visit from the cops, including one named Laird, who questions Blake about Molly's murder. One of the officers, who is Laird, seems to know more than meets the eye. They go for a walk and talk about hypothetical politics while heading to a coffee shop. Laird strands him at the shop using time trickery. While heading home, Blake runs into Patrick and his companions. Rose is able to get him out of the situation. Laird shows back up and walks him the rest of the way home. What did you think about these chapters, Malia? They were really exciting. It was fun getting out into Jacob's Bell and meeting people. We got both a nice overview of the town and the town's kind of practitioner politics. And then also a fun other interaction. And Blake didn't die. And Rose helped out. It's a good job. Good job all around, people. (laughs) all right um so we'll start blake gets out of the shower and has another discussion with rose about how different his life was compared to hers then she helps him shave which was nice Mm -hmm. i can't imagine not being able to see myself in a mirror that would be so frustrating (laughs) so it's the least she could do sort of that's true (laughs) i know she kind of has to awkwardly (laughs) sit there and watch it really (laughs) right so i i The first thing that really popped out to me from this part was um, Rose talks about her relationship with Molly and Paige. And like we sort of alluded to the last episode, they weren't close um, ever, which was really surprising. I didn't think that that's how it would be. I I don't really get why. A possibility that I have been thinking about is that maybe there were lots of different possibilities about who Rose could have been, right? Like who Blake could have been if he was a girl. And so maybe grandma was able to choose this particular rose for some reason okay like because presumably girl blake could have been like fuck you family whatever like and had a life a lot more similar to blake's Mm -hmm. but rose is what we have which is you know great because i i like her okay but i'm i'm wondering like what is the desire like what's desirable about rose not being friends with her cousins because she's like, oh, I just don't like the extended family. Which makes sense, because, like, they targeted her by pouring a bunch of orange juice concentrate in her car when, like, 
I couldn't understand what was going on. Like, why did Irene being an ass to Paige, like, involve Rose? I didn't understand that at all. There's a note about how Rose was presumably given a car, whereas Blake had to buy his own vehicle. But I don't, I'm, I'm curious as to why that's a thing. Sorry, that was really, it's got to get back podcasting brain. And a big, a big question that I currently have is how does the bad karma that sits with this family pass on from generation to generation? Now that Blake and Rose have it, or is their extended family like free of it? It seems like that would be eventually be very diffuse if like they all had a little piece of it. So maybe it like concentrates with the next practitioner. So like is mm-hmm. Paige off the hook now? Like are they gonna just like fucking chill? Like are our grandparents or great grandparents or something had land in like Nebraska or something? And great grandparents. Because my dad's generation, they were like, Oh, let's we we need to just sell this land now because there's already like whatever like 15 people involved and then if it goes to our children there's going to be like you know 40 billion people involved and that's too many people um (laughs) we have a lot of but like (laughs) right but in this situation it could be useful to be like let's spread this shittiness out like yeah so i'm just like i was feeling like um at the funeral and stuff like i feel like Blake and Molly and all of them, they noticed the bad karma kind of towards their family, mm-hmm. even though they weren't practitioners. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was just like because they were near Grandma Rose at the time? Or do you think they still get a little teeny bit of that bad karma? Or like, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, it does seem concentrated in Jacob's Bell because Molly was the one that pointed out, oh, everyone here hates us. Whereas like Blake seemed to be doing okay mm-hmm. where he was earlier. I don't know True. why that's a thing. Okay. No, that's interesting. It's interesting to think about. So you talk about, in your notes here, Great Grandpa the Robber Baron. Yeah, I was a bit confused as to, was this Grandma Rose's father, who she, like, revered, who I thought was a practitioner because she was like, he's great? Or was it her stepfather? Because, like, Grandma's mom was a widow, and I don't know if that was important. Uh... I was like, maybe she hadn't picked a useful spouse and got rid of him and got this, like, robber bear man. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Their family tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's just kind of interesting that Rose didn't hear about him, right? Dun dun. Rose didn't seem to know much about, like, she didn't talk to <laughs> the people in her family. Like, Blake was like, yeah, like, the mm. murder. And she was like, what? True. So you think it's just because they weren't close enough to talk about all that stuff that she just didn't know? Or maybe. I wish you guys could see her facial expression right now because it was truly beautiful. Uh, uh, don't know what it means, but it was wonderful. And then, and then something that Rose said confused me. I think Rose said it. She said like others were liars. She like accused others of like being liars, and like li- others can be very deceitful. But I was kind of like, no, others can't lie because the ramifications of the whatever. Except like. I thought maybe it was, like, the Seal of Solomon or whatever that, like, made them not lie. And then I got real confused. Because, like, maybe with practitioners, the practice just, like, ignores them until they make certain promises and then starts paying attention to their words. But it seems like others can't lie. But then, like, isn't Rose sort of maybe another? And, like, she can probably lie. Like, do others just, like, form into being (laughs) knowing they can't lie? 
It doesn't look like Rose said that. It looks like it was one of Blake's thoughts as he was like brushing his teeth or whatever. Oh, my bad. Like Snowdrop. Well, Snowdrop like has to lie. Like, you know, like, but Snowdrop is still bound by that rule of discourse. And like Tashlet, like, I think can't lie. But Tashlet isn't like and like composite kid and all these people like all these fucking people that just like like come into existence like i believe can't lie if they can somebody should tell the kenneteers but uh how do they know that they can't there's also the snowdrop familiar ceremony just happened and there was a lot of conversation in that chapter about not wanting to like use like bind snowdrop to the seal i think is what was going on. Yeah. But like, isn't she already slash uh I don't know. I'm I'm confused, y'all. This this whole section is just me being like, I don't know what the practice is. Um <laughs> like this these two chapters, I'm just like, oh I don't get it. Well I mean it it is pretty complicated. So feel free to put your clarifying responses in our discussion thread or in Discord. Yes please. Or email it to us how obvious it all is <laughs> but yeah use pale specific information please <laughs> oh yes if you use packed specific information please spoiler it i'd be serious but yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that all has to do with the seal of solomon so i should go back and read that section where they talk about it wherever yeah, that was i probably should too to be honest but interesting though mm-hmm. so all right so basically Rose tries to convince Blake that they should become witch hunters. Blake's not really too hot on the idea. Yeah, so point two for me. When the, the strike three is going to be, like, confirmed they're witch hunters. And I'm going to be right. Like, the like you know, things in threes in the practice. So the third time it's the word witch hunters is used, it's going to be like, yes, Malia, you were right. <laughs> um, the other thing is, so... I was pretty sure in Pale that witch hunters are not awakened, awoke, awokened, mm-hmm. but they are aware. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so if Blake and or Rose has to go through the awakening ritual, could they become witch hunters? Like, is that allowed? That's a good question. Also, Rose, like, I love you, but stop being such a coward. A weak familiar... <laughs> And a small domain are like the worst fucking ideas I've ever heard. And she doesn't get it. But I'm like, no, don't make yourself weaker by tying yourself to something lame. And don't like constrain mm-hmm. yourself in this tiny little box. Yeah. I feel like a non-threatening implement could be okay. But like, don't do a rock. That The man in the textbook <laughs> was really adamant about not doing a rock. She didn't say a rock. So maybe like a non-threatening implement would be okay. What if it's like a paperweight? That's not really a rock, but like... <laughs> You know, <laughs> like a pretty rock. <laughs> what if it's like one of those decorative rocks that's like all polished and nice, you know? Yeah, I think the guy was a little harsh on rocks. Kind of random, but on Reddit, sometimes they have like these. It's been a little while since they've had them, but I'm blanking out what they're called. But it's kind of like um, in universe, like people acting like they're practitioners posting like, oh, cute, on, like a thread, you know? And I remember there was one that was like this guy defending stone implements <laughs> and it was really great yes. <laughs> yes it was kind of amazing someone should send that to us because i'd be so happy like little like rock <laughs> pet yay yay 
Anyway. <laughs> Blake at some point mentions that he shouldn't leave the house because the house reborn some provides some protection. Uh-huh. And then he leaves immediately thereafter. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I don't remember if that was before the cops show up or after. So That was after the cops show up. Oh, my bad. No, it's okay. But that, that is true. Um, yeah. So, but because basically right after this, two cops show up and question Blake about Molly. One of the cops, Laird, um, invites Blake for a walk and they talk about hypothetical world politics. The details about Molly's murder continue to get worse. And like, it's so horrible. It's so yeah. horrible. And everyone is just so like fucking cavalier about it around blake especially i mean like later when we get to it they're just kind of like oh, she was basically tortured to death and it's like okay maybe let's stop talking about this yeah i i wonder like what rose knew and how she knew it and if she knew this because i sort of assumed that molly was like murdered by some like scary wolf beasts or something something about the way it was phrased in 1.2 made me think that she was like scratched and bitten to death by animals they talked about her being eaten sort of and this yeah now sounds like she was like tortured to death by a human it's not great no it's kind of awful isn't it yes yeah now everyone is kind of just like oh yeah i guess she got like there were tools and stuff huh. but i guess that's that karma for you i don't know but seems like even someone you really hate that's kind of like you know should feel a little bit bad if someone got like it's so horrible <laughs> it is it is terrible Molly didn't do anything to you, probably. <laughs> I'm hoping we learn more about those four months, but we'll see. I guess we will. Anyway, I thought it was funny that um, Laird, Laird, Laird knows the lawyer because the lawyer is definitely a practitioner. And that was funny. Like the other cop kept being like, how do you know these people? And he was like, don't worry about it. Like, it was just like, well, it's good. <laughs> That's true. And... The property's worth a lot. No mon- no wonder everyone in this family wants it. Yeah. Holy um, crap. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Also, a thing that I would like to talk about is the fact that Blake needs to sue this lawyer for malpractice. Like, I know it's been, like, less than 24 hours or whatever since he showed up, but I was really expecting the lawyer to be, like, at the house to be like, hi, like, I know you must be experiencing a lot of trauma right now. Let's talk through this. Here's some documents. Here's a key. Like, let me tell you about things. Like, this is Rose. You've met Rose. That was great. You know, he hasn't fucking heard from him even at all. Like, I don't even know how to get in touch with him at this point. And I think it's dicks. And I'd like to hear about it. Or I'd like to hear from him. Also, it seems like in this part, Laird says, like, I'm gonna talk to the lawyer and then go have dinner with you, other Mr. Cop man. And he doesn't mention that later, but he probably did it because the practice or whatever. And I'm just like really freaking curious as to what happened and yeah. why the lawyer didn't fucking show up. He just, ugh. I don't know. It's not, not how you would have done it. Lawyers. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know what my caseload is. Like, I don't know what his caseload is, but no, no, you're no, I would no, Sorry. I think that if your client is murdered, like, horrifically and then like your client 2.0 shows up you sit at their house and you say hi sorry here's a counselor and some ice cream and some cereal this is why the cereal is around mm, that's why the cereal is there 
So, like, that's the real thing. Grandma Rose was actually really nice. She knew that they were going to need some, like, really cheerful cereal because there was some shit going down. So she's like, here you go. I know some of you are probably lactose intolerant, which I get, I guess, so at least you can pick your milk, you know, for the cereal. You know, you just need some sugar. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like if we ever get merch or whatever, we need, like, cereal merch. I'm down. I mean, I fucking love cereal. Yeah. So I'm down for yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, so Blake immediately is like, sure, I'm going to leave this house that Molly left and like died because she left. And I'm going to go with this cop and it's all going to be fine, Rose. And Rose is like, literally, what the fuck? <laughs> and the tension between them continues to escalate because Rose feels trapped. She feels powerless. Totally understandable. But Blake is also like, hi, fuck you. Like... I'm the one who has to awaken and I'm the one who has to marry a man and I'm the one who has to like deal with the actual consequences of all of this stuff. I mean, we don't know that Rose doesn't, but yeah, they seem to be talking as though Blake is going to be the one who awakens and has to do all the things in this mm -hmm. chapter. So it makes sense why he's like, no. Yeah, it does suck, though. You can see like both sides like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, being basically trapped in like a mirror world. And not being able to, you know, I guess impose your, like, anything you want really on the outside world without Blake helping. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be really frustrating. Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad Blake left the house because the plot. But <laughs> I <laughs> think he shouldn't have. But it's also ultimately, like, Blake should have bodily autonomy at the very least. It sucks that Rose doesn't True. fully but yeah and it's like what happens well i mean like if something does happen to blake what's going to happen to rose right is you know because it's kind of like her his and her bodily autonomy that he's kind of at least if you look at it in a certain way yeah i don't know i don't know it's hard it's hard i'd much rather be blake in this situation for sure but it's do you think you would act like blake at this <laughs> <laughs> no no, no. i mean yeah cops are scary so i might want to go with them because scary but I hopefully wouldn't. All right. So he basically leaves the house, as you say. Um, and they're walking over to this coffee shop. Um, while they're walking over there, they get into this hypothetical. So let's kind of go through what you think the hypothetical is. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, I was an international relations major. And so this was sort of fun and nerdy. Um, but it's kind of a, not an allegory, like an analogy, a metaphor um, about Jacob Spell. So we have America. Who's the Merka? <laughs> Sorry, Merka. Who's the Behimes? Behimes? Behams? Well, though you're probably gonna have to help us. <laughs> We're sorry for not so. asking earlier. I'm so sorry. The, the <laughs> try not to make your ears bleed from. I don't know. Just, just try to get past it. I'll just say Laird's family. <laughs> so we have Laird's family because they're powerful and they're large and they're the keepers of the peace, and they don't like Johannes because Johannes is sus. And so are the Laird's family. So. All right. Um, Bames. 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 And then there's Europe, who, which is the blonde coven, the Duchamps. And I'm not sure if they're all a family or if they recruit women into their group and then dye their hair blonde. Still don't know. <laughs> they're like older and they're like more prone to grudges and they're set in their ways and beautiful and whatever. 
Right. So then there's the like problematic description of the small old backwards nation, which is the Aboriginal woman. And then the nature with a couple of settlements is the girl with the rabbit. And then the vibrant country with the inexplicable amount of wealth is Johannes, who lives in the north, who's the reason that Blake shouldn't go north, who has a dog as a familiar. And they think that Johannes is going to like burn out on the excess. And um, Laird seems to say that like, you're like, Blake, if you go down right now, that's going to open up a gap for Johannes to fill. And we don't want that. Hmm. So we need to take care of him first. Right. Okay. So then continuing on with the metaphor, there's a terrorist, (laughs) Maggie Holt, the terrorist, who Blake has to ask about. She's a new arrival. She's too small to be a serious threat. And she's self-deluding and she doesn't understand what she's dealing with, which I definitely can buy that last one. Because, like, who freaking does in this universe? That's fair. I'm kind of hopeful that, like, Maggie and Blake will team up as the hated underdogs. But Mm -hmm. we will see. And then before we start talking about Blake's family in this analogy, another thing that I think supports the idea that the siblings or whatever are witch hunters is that they're not in this analogy and they're not questioned um i think blake is kind of or like he, he doesn't ask about them i think that blake at least thinks that they're not a practitioner family in this setting okay because i That's fair. think he would have asked right but so the, the thorburns are a smallish country in south america they're unpredictable they have a history of aggression and they have nukes which i'm assuming are demons but I thought they were okay. I you're thought you get- said that they were they're fluff demons, we're right? Get to it. <laughs> um, I think. Um, I think that the demons are, are nukes, and it's okay. And talking about like nukes changing hands is really dangerous, and we just want them to sit there. But then, like the talk about radiation, like the nukes spreading, and then like they can't be destroyed; they need to be paved over. Um, so the Thorburns have to like stay intact long enough for Johannes to be dealt with so that then we can get rid of the Thorburns and then not get rid of the nukes, just like bury them. But that there are also like other elements that are contained so long as the nukes are intact. So maybe the like nukes are containing the demons or something. But it also seems okay. like this house, Hillsglade House, is in the way of like a massive development, which will like spur their town growing both in the like boring sense and in the like practitioner sense and america really wants things to be like chill and settled so they can kind of remain on top in case other dudes show up for power i'm sure building like a bunch of new houses on top of a bunch of buried demons is gonna be just fine i mean like fuck those people or something (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) maybe the physical location is not there except i think I don't know. I'm really starting to think that the fourth floor has demons. Like the locked the locked floor. Mm. Okay. Is that going to be one of your predictions for later on? Uh, I mean, I guess you kind of just said it, but... <laughs> yeah, it's it, we're gonna, it's going to play into... I'm going to revisit some of my predictions at the end and kind of talk okay. about updates. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. I know nothing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, it's a pretty interesting um, comparison, uh, like, way to go over hypothetical i guess mm-hmm. on all these guys it it was also interesting like blake was like i realized that by doing this he can lie because he's not saying like my family is this and the duchamps are like this he's just saying like mm-hmm. oh europe and i'm wondering how he lied 
you know, in this scenario. True. Hmm. So basically after they go through this discussion, they arrive at a coffee shop. Laird ends up drawing a sugar diagram that can turn people away from their table. Blake ends up talking to Rose while Laird's at the counter, just kind of talking about how shady this guy seems. And then after they discuss how shady he seems, they find out that Laird stranded them. <laughs> so they were right. Yeah. 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 People need to stop being dicks about the fact that Molly is like murdered. But we talked yeah. about that already. But he so Blake is like, I'm going to get coffee. And then he's like, no, I feel sick. Like, I can't drink anything right now because of this talk about my cousin. And I'm curious about like, we talked about hospitality before when we were talking about the tea with Grandma Rose. And I'm wondering, like, would this coffee have been poisoned? Or would he have like, hospitality guest rights? Or would he have owed Laird something? Like, I feel like the fact Mm. that he didn't take coffee was somehow practitionerally significant. But I'm not sure if he like, would have been better off or worse off if he had taken it. Okay. I could see that. And I'm also just curious about this town. I want to talk about it a little more a little bit later, but um, I'm interested about the economic status of Jacob's Bell in Pale. Ken it is literally a character, but also like we know a lot even before Ken shows up about like the economic situation of the town. I'm having kind of a hard time like figuring out what Jacob's Bell is like exactly. Like they want to expand, but people are in debt and it's just kind of like, okay, you need like increased property values. You need to sell the house. Hillsglade needs to go away to help Mm -hmm. y'all with your property values. But like, uh, it's not just, it's not like Kennet where it's like, nobody lives here except drug addicts or whatever. Um, (laughs) So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah, so another thing that felt not great to me was Rose is absent, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's her stubbornness, or if she was, like, kind of lost, or if she was just like, no, this is really scary and a bad idea, and I'm not going, or if, like, she was somehow blocked, because um, she does show up later, and they have that conversation, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know, I want them to be, like, a good team, and I was sad that they weren't yeah. working. I mean, did, like have a mirror with him when he was walking no how would she have i don't know like unless here laird has a mirror or something she can't really be right there right well maybe the watch is like super reflective (laughs) but but in the restaurant you know that she's um she doesn't show up in the napkin thing until later i kind of took that to be like she didn't want laird to know that like she existed Mm -hmm. so she didn't really want to like she probably didn't know if he could see her or not so she was like i'm just gonna kind of hide away until he walks away that's fair yeah that's that's what i took it as at least mm-hmm. kind of turns out he knew she existed anyway <laughs> but you know she didn't know <laughs> yeah i'm really curious as to how they look in the site um if they look like one mm. like two people on top of each other or what that's a good question mm-hmm. that would be really interesting yeah so laird gets out his watch and kind of shows that shows it's a familiar slash implement which is pretty cool yeah i um these are mentioned in the familiar text, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't expect that this, these were a thing. In fact, I thought they were just sort of a fun thing he threw in in like the pale text. Um, and I certainly didn't expect it to just be like, hi, here's a familiar implement. Like, it's chapter five. Bleh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was really exciting. And I, I'm wondering about the personality of this implement. Yeah. 
Like, not to mention, if you, I mean, to everyone who read this for the first time, what's this coming out, we didn't know about the other verse or anything. So, like, first implement or familiar that we've seen. Except you know? for Grandma's cat. Yeah, and, like, chrono magic is fun. We got the augury back, but then also, like, time. Yay. I'm excited. It seems like a Pretty neat interesting. Yeah, aspect of the practice. Speaking of aspects of the practice, I was confused at first when he was, like, making his diagram, pouring the sugar on the table and stuff, because it reminded me of Nicolette pouring the blood into her diagram in her interlude, hmm. be- like, making the, the payment part of the physical substance of the diagram. The Kenneteers don't really do that. They just sort of draw things and, like, bam, things work. Um, so being like, oh, this sugar is an offering and I've established a pattern where I'm going to give them a better offering, like really like needing to have the payment up front kind of mm-hmm. is really interesting uh, and makes me wonder about makes me wonder about the Kenneteers and like their power more. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, it was a really cool way to draw a diagram in a diner uh, <laughs> yeah. with the coffee cup and stuff. It was great. Kind of sneaky ish and looks like he's just being a slob at first but <laughs> you know if he's lo- well liked it's like eh, whatever you know? <laughs> yeah it's pretty funny wonder like what happens if you grab splenda or something instead like equal does that count as like a lesser offering definitely i mean it, it definitely should <laughs> i'm sorry you guys if you guys really like equal or anything i don't know well it um, reminds me of like diabetics and how i think dad was telling us a story about how he was helping someone who was having like a sugar crash or whatever um because they hadn't eaten enough after their insulin or whatever and he like yelled at someone to get like a coke and they came back with a diet coke and dad just like freaked out because he was like (laughs) you idiot how dare you bring a real coke if somebody screams it at you people (laughs) yeah bring a real coke can't i guess orange juice um i mean make sure they're awake if they're mm. not awake, please do not try to shove <laughs> Coke down their throat because they're going to choke. Yep. But there's, yeah, other ways. I'm not going to go into all that right <laughs> now, but there's there's ways to get by, get past that. But call an ambulance, basically. Yeah, but I think... That should be your first thing. I think most spirits <laughs> would be like, nah. Fuck you. Yeah, like, we need what is this real energy? <laughs> Maybe it depends on the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know? Maybe mm-hmm. some, like, I don't know, like the crappy artificial sweetener you know, type of spirits. Mm-hmm. Probably like that. At least that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> Some people might really like the taste of that. So I'm sorry. Um, I just, I just, I do, I do not. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's a pretty interesting comparison. I wouldn't have thought of Nicolette pouring blood into it, but yeah, that does make sense. Your next note is about shamanism, it looks like. Yeah, I feel like Laird says something about how... The diagram or something that he drew was like part of shamanism or something. And I don't mm. know what shamanism is. And I feel like I should because Charles, but Charles like makes others. And I don't think sugar. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm this, this, <laughs> these chapters are like, I don't know what's happening. It's okay. This is complicated. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, this stuff is complicated. Yeah. It's but totally I just, fine. At some point, yeah, I'll just talk about it now. I'm I'm confused, y'all. Okay, so it sounds like Laird is talking about spirits and others as though they're s- the same or something. But, like, I thought they were different. And I feel like he's kind of saying that they're, like, different types. And if we're thinking about spirits as, like, an analogy for, like, 
Wild Bo's readers, then sure, some of his readers are really gonna like the spooky stuff. And some of his readers are really gonna like, you know, the the fun whatever. And some of his readers are really gonna like, you know, I'm trying to think of a character in Pale whose name I'm confident I can pronounce and I'm drawing a blank. Um, <laughs> some people are gonna really love Cherry Pop or whatever. You know, like people are gonna like really have different preferences. Mm-hmm. And so it would make sense that some of the spirits would be like down with certain things and not as down with other things. But I am confused. I think it is kind of both, at least. So isn't like Edith, like Girl by Candlelight, like a complex spirit? Yes. But then like Edith doesn't decide, like Edith doesn't serve on a jury, as far as I know, like every six months to determine if some random practitioner is like forsworn, right? But if like you're forsworn and nobody calls it out, the the, the spirits will decide and like tell you. Mm-hmm. And like I was pretty sure that like if Lucy draws a diagram, um, and then something happens, it's not that she made that thing happen. In as much as it is the spirits who saw her draw the diagram, interpreted what she wanted, and was like, "Yeah, you're cool enough that we will do this thing in the way that yeah. you have requested us to do this thing." Um. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like that's Edith's job. <laughs> and I don't know what's I mean, happening, that's y'all. That's fair. That's <laughs> uh, all right. We'll keep we'll keep that in the back of our minds. I'll figure it out, we'll- maybe. <laughs> I should have read Pale slower. I'm learning this. I like skip <laughs> over descriptions and stuff. It's, yeah. it's all right. You can always go back over. People can give us clarification because people are nice. Or we could just reread stuff. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I have a fun, like, kind of ridiculous mini prediction here um okay so laird says that grandma was like really fucking badass and that part of that was that she was helped by a generous heaping of time and so like thought one was like wait was grandma heartless like because part of what heartless practitioners do from what i understand is try to keep themselves like young and i was like maybe she did some of that but then also (laughs) i feel like Laird and Grandma kind of vibe, and I guess Grandma's older than Laird, so this is already not really working. But maybe Grandma and Laird were like a thing, and they like dated, and he like helped her with some of the t- Chrono Time stuff. And I don't know, I like Loki ship them based on I love almost it. nothing. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Uh, so, so are you saying that you think that she is heartless, or is she like kind of like a dual type? Because you're still like for the law, right? Because don't, we don't know about the demons I yet. Don't know. They might just be part of the. They just happen to be there. She just wrote some books, you know. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> if Grandma was heartless, I mean, maybe she was heartless, and then she was like, "My family's going to catch on that I'm not dying," and then she like accepted that it was her time and got tired and was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to die now or whatever." But uh, I'm not. No, I'm not saying that definitely for sure. I'm just thinking like, how else did she have a whole bunch of time? I mean, there are there are different things about different practices that you don't know, though, right? Because just like the chronomancy, you know, we found out that's a practice like today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can go into this more at the end if you want, but like you're gonna have to clarify if you still think she's a law mage or into demons or heartless or just all of them. Or none of them, you know. Just think on that. We'll come back. Okay. We're gonna come back to it. Okay. Because <laughs> I feel like that's switching up. Like, what kind of practice should she, or she is quite a, you know, quite a bit. We'll come back to it. All right. 
So Laird's just kind of talking to him about like, you know, why Blake should just kind of like give up, I guess, all the all the family nukes or whatever <laughs> it is. And basically it's like guns are more dangerous when in the hands of someone who doesn't know how to use them. Yeah, it reminds me of the Kenneteers and all the ways they could like seriously hurt themselves or other people, especially with like the incredible amount of power they had access to combined with no one wanting to teach them anything. And I just thought it was really powerful and an idea that like knowledge can be or like, like not really knowing everything that's going on, but having kind of a lot of power and like jumping into a situation like it can really hurt you um, and other people a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminded me of um, Marichika. I know that her name is not something I pronounce very well. I always said Marisica, but yeah, I think it's I don't know. I will say who knows Mari. Um, it reminded me of Mari because like uh, Laird says, like an attacker can take your gun from you, which is part of how it could be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And I was like, ha ha ha! In the same way that like Mari controls, like can control a lot of the glamour and stuff, and like other fairy can control um the glamour that Verona uses constantly and stuff. It was funny to think like. That was a really that was a solid example of how them not knowing how to use glamour like turned back and kind of slapped them in the face. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. So Laird couldn't get a police dog, and I don't know why. I mean, this obviously has to do with the fact that, like, as a familiar, I mean, this has to do with the fact that like grandma was like, don't get a dog or a rat. And I thought that was just like a their family thing, but this seems like a Jacob's Bell thing, except Johannes has a dog. And, like, it seems like Laird made this decision about his familiar before Johannes was in the picture. So it wasn't like Laird was like, oh, I can't have a dog as a familiar because, like, only one person in the town can at a time. I mean, do you think it's a Jacob's Bell thing or do you think it's, like, a weird practice thing we don't know about? I think it's a Jacob's Bell thing. Okay. I mean, I guess I haven't seen any dog familiars or rat familiars that I can think of. But Yeah, specifically, it's like, do not allow your familiar to take the form of a rat or dog. Right. Which is kind of, which is interesting, because even if Johannes has, like, a, who, who knows what his familiar it is, right? But it sure doesn't care about that rule. <laughs> right. And, well, that's the thing. I'm thinking that if it was something to do with the practice, I think that, like, Grandma wouldn't even have to say it. And that the familiar, unless they, like, fucking hated Blake or whatever, would probably be like, hey, no, I can't do that. Or, like, that's a bad idea or something. Okay. So I think it has something to do with this community. Maybe some, like, agreement they all made at some point. Huh. Okay. In the same way that, like, Patrick, like, isn't supposed to make deals or whatever while he's in Jacob's Bell or something. I don't know. All right. Maybe we'll find out. Or maybe it'll just be, like, maybe that's another reason why these people suck, because they hate dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe you'll find out Johannes is, like, the actual, like, best guy, because he has a dog. It could be true. I don't know. I feel like you're too suspicious of him to be- come to that conclusion, though. <laughs> I just like that I was sort of like, ha hey, Johannes is in the North End. And then they were like, yep. And I was like, lol. <laughs> That's true. That's hilarious. All right. So basically, yeah, Rose talks to Blake. Um, and then Blake gets up to go talk to Laird and finds out, oh, like four or five hours have passed. And I've just apparently been sitting here the whole time and didn't realize it. And Laird's gone. So that was kind of a dick move. Mm-hmm. I was thinking a lot about Laird's wording at the beginning of this whole interaction and how mm-hmm. I wouldn't 
I, I feel like I kind of would have thought that it was pretty safe and stuff in the way that Blake kind of trusted him. But then I also started to think about lying in this universe and how it's it's physically possible for Laird to have lied, right? True. So and I'm going to talk about a legal concept because it's fun. So in the legal realm, there's subjective tests and objective tests, right? Okay. So in the Wheel of Time, very minor-ish spoiler alert for the Wheel of Time and Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai are the magic people, uh, the female magic people, and they can't, they physically cannot say something that they believe is a lie or that they don't believe is true. So it's like Mm. in Liar Liar, right? When Jim Carrey can't say like the sky is red or whatever. They physically cannot. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a subjective test because it's about what you personally believe, right? Whereas the other verse is an objective lying system where if Verona says like, it's going to rain tomorrow because she saw the news forecast and it's going to rain tomorrow, but then it doesn't rain tomorrow. Like in this universe, she has lied, even though what she believed, like she didn't say something she didn't believe to be true. Um, and so that's an objective mm-hmm, test. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it doesn't matter what you sub- like thought in your mind. It just matters like, like it's more of an external thing. And I think it's a really interesting loophole that maybe no one, not a loophole, but it's an, it's an interesting thing that I don't think anyone will necessarily exploit. But like, someone in this universe could lie and then face like extreme consequences for it. I mean, people make small lies all the time and kind of it suffer. It makes their practice suffer. Like I think Verona or Lucy or someone wasn't being completely careful um, in the earlier chapters of Pale. And I just wonder, mm-hmm. like, is there a scenario with, where lying would be worth it? Um, not breaking a promise, because from what I understand, you're only forsworn if a promise is broken, whereas yeah. gainsaying is like more temporary. Yeah. The loss of power for... Yeah. Temporary, yeah. And I wonder if, like, that will ever happen in these stories or if it'll ever be worth it because it's really interesting, but it also, like, might really fuck up your reader <laughs> emotionally. I mean, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but true. That's an interesting thought there. So it's like he, he could just decide that it's worth this temporary loss of power to lie and fuck this guy over. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think he did in this situation, but I'm wondering if there will ever be that calculation made by someone. Hmm. That's a good question. Well, basically, Blake is trying to leave, trying to head home, runs into Patrick and his companions, Eve and Keller. He gets super creeped out, to say the least. Uh, probably not the best way to describe it, to be honest, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Rose ends up showing up and saves the day by doing a bunch of BS, like, BSing, essentially. Yep. Before he runs into Patrick and company, it seems like he was going in a certain direction and he sees a man like bundled up staring at him. And then he sort of turns and like runs into these other like these fairy. And I'm just like, who is that? And did I not understand? Because I tried to read it like four times. I mean, could just be another random creepy other. Yeah. It's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. That's sort of what I assumed. But yeah. Okay. So this is like my first. Well, okay. Blake's not gay, but other than that, this is like my first real big wrong prediction. Um, Patrick is not a <laughs> practitioner. He is another. <laughs> um, this is what happens when I don't read slowly because I did not. Or Blake in this chapter is like, oh, the one with the face that was all stretched out. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I went back and read 
the dream and it was like his smile was too wide and i was like okay <laughs> i guess i should have realized it was funny that he was like oh they like he smells like a rose because i was like haha the flowers that blake was smelling in grandma's study or whatever were definitely roses now that i've said grandma's study out loud where is that room in the house why have we gone back there anyway um i don't know what court or courts these fairies are from they don't necessarily seem winter uh they've also been like exiled i think they're from different courts but i can't okay really tell also like patrick's a prince and like that's exciting and confusing i'm thinking maybe like high summer and i don't know why Hmm. interesting i don't know who else has princes i kind of keller's really scary i wonder if he's like dark summer um but i don't know if he's like monstrous enough and then Eve, or whatever her name was. Uh, yeah, I think her name was Eve, at least. That's what I wrote down, so. I'm just sort of assuming oh, they're all going to be, like, not high summer and dark fall because we get that impale. But I should probably stop making those assumptions. <laughs> I mean, those are always fun to listen to anyway, even if they're totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe Ev. Maybe her name was Ev. Ev. Maybe they just said Evie. I thought that Ev was the creepiest yeah to be honest to me well yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but i mean they're all scary. pretty creepy in different ways i don't, so. I was kind of like yeah patrick what's up like okay <gasps> you're he, you didn't really get too bad of a vibe from him you're kind of like this guy's all right or yeah <laughs> okay awesome okay <laughs> cool i like it. i don't know y'all okay basically his friends were like the creepy the creepy ones and he's just like the hey bro i mean he wasn't like completely and totally fine. I definitely wasn't like, yes, you should trust him. But I just, I don't know. I, I was like, yeah, cool. It's kind of interesting how they were talking about him as like a rose the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. Saying like, oh, like, we're your thorns. You're defenseless. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Patrick says at one point, this rose has no eyes, which is only natural, but it's usually sharper. It has been cast away, denuded. So Blake was sort of cast away from his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the not having eyes is like not being awoke. And, but I don't know if Grandma Rose, like, is it it's only natural because he can tell that they're not awake? Or is it only natural because none of the Thorburns have open eyes? In which case, like, what? But I, I think it's probably the awaken thing. And... Yeah, he doesn't have any demons on him or whatever. <laughs> so he doesn't have thorns. He I mean he can't practice, so maybe that's part of it. But he seems pretty dang aware at this point. So I don't know that he has a lot of innocence protection left. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that like I don't remember one of them I think thinks like confuses him for a girl or something, or thinks like, oh, he's oh, he's not a girl, it's a boy. And then he was like, No one's thought that about me since I was five. And I was like, isn't five a little bit old to be confused for a girl? I mean, maybe he had long hair. I don't know. Maybe. And his parents also, I bet, you know, like they wanted a girl. So maybe they weren't as concerned with like, because some parents get like weird and offended when like, there's like a tiny little bald baby and people don't immediately know or whatever, because gender roles. But I just, I feel like five is kind of old and I'm wondering... It just feels like more like Blake Rose connection something. True. That's kind of what I thought too. 
yeah, pretty sure he looks like a dude. Mm-hmm. Like to most normal people, but they're like, huh, guess he is a, a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then Rose finally comes in and saves the day. Dun, 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 dun. There's some really impressive, like, winging it. <laughs> yeah, I was really happy that she showed up and she saved Blake who violently reacts to someone trying to touch him, which I we really got to get that story soon or that explanation. But yeah, I was like, she knows their names and otherwise it's just sort of like, I'm going to talk fancy about deals and crap and even like seems to avoid a trap by being like, we're not going to agree to that or something, but we'll like agree to maybe think about doing something later, which was like good enough, which was great. And then maybe the most exciting part was that Patrick can get into the mirror and that freaked Rose out. But I think maybe was like, I hope was maybe hopeful um, and not just like scary and intimidating. Because I guess that was Patrick showing like, I can fuck with you too. But I'm hoping that Rose is like, oh, maybe I can get out. Um, That's kind of what I took from it. And I'm only now realizing like how fucking scary that would be. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. (laughs) That's for sure. So I guess like, yeah, what did you think of these fairy compared to the other ones that we've seen in Pale? Yeah, so Guillaume and Mari reminded me of them in that they're they're like living in a small town in the middle of nowhere. And like these dudes are like exiled and living in a smallish town. So that's both fairly similar, but these people seem more like vagrants or something like more like down on their luck, like aggressive, kind of antagonistic. Whereas um, the Kennet ones, like Mari is like there to have fun and fuck with people, but not like she feels a little less of a threat. This feels really dumb to say about a fairy, um, <laughs> but Guillaume or Guillaume or whatever it is. Big G. Big G is like Big G. <laughs> totally just seems like very on the up and up and like very like happy and supportive of his like little buddies that he's real proud of and loves hanging with john and it's just like trying to like make peace with his life kind of um whereas these dudes do not seem to have peace with much of anything so these ones seem i mean do you think that's just kind of like because we're in blake's head and so these guys seem scarier or do you think like these actually are more threatening or no, I, I I think that they're definitely more threatening. I don't know if they have as much power as the Kennet fairy do because they are like exiled. So like I'm not sure if they have like the potential to be a threat if like Big G and Mari like, you know, turn on them. But Big G. Big G. <laughs> hilarious. Um Okay, no, interesting. So basically after they get through that um laird shows up like right around the corner from blake's house so that he technically can walk him back um because he's a butt face yeah he basically goes through all the ways that he didn't you know technically lie or anything so he's all right ends up walking blake home and then blake angrily reads all night (laughs) yeah blake got a good lesson in um the importance of precise wording and again i was suspicious of laird and whatever and like blake was too but it was still really hard to figure out what was going on and a lot of the things he said were kind of odd and hard to interpret 
But then he thinks again about Paige and like, why isn't Paige in this position? She loves arguing about semantics. And I'm like, why isn't Paige in this position? I'm glad it keeps coming up because that means we're going to get an answer. That's true. <laughs> At least probably, you know. <laughs> there has to be an answer. I know. It does seem like she would be really good for this kind of aspect of it, right? I mean, yes, I'm worried she'd get cocky or do something uh, impulsive or something like that. But she does seem to like this sort of thing. That's fair. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Laird, like, it's funny because, like, everybody seems to know about Rose and about the deals with other people. Like, Laird knows about the deal, not deal with Patrick or whatever. And I'm like, is this, like, a sight thing? Like, is he seeing connections? Or, like, did his implement somehow tell him? Just excited to figure out what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then... Going back to me not understanding the practice. <laughs> he, he, Blake is asking Laird about the fairy and he's like, they're fairy, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. And Laird's like, don't put them in boxes, Blake. Like, they're just people. Blah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, like, <laughs> no, like they're fairy. Like, they're not goblins. Like, they're, and even goblins are goblins, you know? And like, Hale is about, I mean, wild bow stories in general are a lot about like, the fact that things are more complicated than they seem and that categories and boxes and things don't always work and can sometimes be harmful. But like we're five chapters in and <laughs> I'm not ready for this. No. And <laughs> they're fairy and they have courts and they have boxes. So the thing is though, like he was like once upon a time, they would have fallen under that label. So when they were in those courts, right. They've been exiled. And if they've been exiled for a really long time, because, I mean, if you remember some of the stuff in Pale, like, um, some of the chapters where they were talking about, like, kidnapping children and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And some of those, like, I think, like, Glamour Drowned and stuff um, could end up, like, turning into Faye, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, mm-hmm. like, people can, like, they can change, you know? Okay. Like, they were human, were aware, and then turned into another. Um, so, if an innocent can turn into another um why can't another turn into another type of other you know hmm. so i think that he was just like you know technically because he can't lie so he can't just be like oh they're still fairy <laughs> um hmm. so he's like technically they're not really under that label anymore so you can't really just call them fairy because you might be gainsayed you know mm-hmm. um so kind of have to say that I guess what their description is, which here he says, men and women who are desperate to entertain themselves over the course of a very long, long time. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were Fae, but have been exiled for so long, they can't really be called that anymore without possibly being gainsaid. That's kind right. of my read on it. Well, it also kind of makes me think about like the winter court and how they need to entertain themselves to prevent falling into winter, maybe true but that to me suggests that they're still fairy <laughs> true i know it's like well maybe if they weren't exiled then they'd be going to winter instead hmm. mm-hmm. maybe they can't go to winter because they got kicked out of all the courts i don't know speculating yeah all right so that was our chapter basically that we went through um malia said that she's going to go through some possibly new predictions and some updates on some old predictions, which I think we're all looking forward to. So, 
Yeah, so I'm not sure how these will count in terms of my score at the end of this podcast, but I thought I'd talk about how these things are evolving because that could be interesting. So one of the things I was thinking about are like the bird and antler others that we saw in um, 1.2. So I think they're not specifically necessarily energy draining. I think that they're anti-technology, that being around them makes technology stop functioning. So it's not that they're like sucking energy out of things. It's that they're like... uh, like they are an anachronism and they're drawing technology into their era where it doesn't work or something. I think they're like anti-technomancy-ish others. Okay. And so with that as a thought, I really don't think America sent them. I think that my prediction in 1.2 was wrong. By America, I mean Laird's family. And I'm kind of thinking maybe the girl with the rabbit, like the the nature wild, whatever. Yeah. So there there is that. And then, Okay. So grandma's practice is the fun through line in this podcast so far. And this week in my D&D game, one of my fellow players who doesn't hasn't read the story, um, he said, anyone who makes packs with demons is kind of a dick. And it just like hit me like in the brain. I was like, hmm, that's that's sort of true. Um, <laughs> that's sort of true. And so maybe like. Messing with demons does hurt your karma. But, like, here are my problems with that. Problem number one. Kevin is an asshole. Kevin, like, Kevin's whole thing is, like, From Pale. I glare at you, Kevin and Pale, I glare at you, and you get bad karma, and you're fucked, right? Um, and there's, like, no repercussions for this, um, other than maybe his girlfriend will murder him. But he had to use his eye, like, 18 jillion times on her, right? For that to happen. And, like, bristow and how bristow like manipulates everything and like if the spirits can see everything like can't they see that bristow's just like being a dick and using like the formalist system to get out of repercussions i mean maybe verona is his karma (laughs) but yeah then the other thing is like grandma's not dumb right so if, if demons are making their karma worse and she doesn't want their karma to be worse then why continue to do demon practice if demon practice is bad for your karma. And so I guess my best guess is that like the demons are nukes, right? And somebody has to take care of them and their family's already in this. And grandma's like, well, if we're already in this, I'm going to do the best freaking job I can. Um, I don't think she necessarily got the family into the demon practice. Cause again, I don't think she's that dumb. If demons fuck up your karma. Cause I don't Mm -hmm. think she, I don't think grandma started the karma fuck up. I think that she inherited it. Okay. So this leads to my like kind of sad prediction that grandma's not a karmic law practitioner and that she focuses on like demons, which probably aren't karmic law. Um but I think that the lawyer is the karmic practitioner or <laughs> the karmic law practitioner. Because I think that grandma needs a karmic law practitioner to help her deal with this shit. I think that the lawyer is supposed to sign off on all the stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, like the big rituals and stuff. And I think part of that might have something to do with him knowing about karmic law. Because somebody's got to. Please, Wild Bow. If, okay, Wild Bow. <laughs> if karmic law is not a thing in this story, can you please just write me a little treatise on what karmic law practices, please? Like, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this. I'm so curious. Okay. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> so just to, just to clarify, do you think Grandma... Because you mentioned earlier, like that she, she like something about heartless. Do you think she's a heartless 
practitioner or you're just or like she maybe was using some aspects of that practice or like yeah i mean i think she was buying time somehow but i i don't think that she was doing it i mean it's okay it seems like if demon people have bad karma that heartless people should get bad karma right because heartless people are like i'm gonna steal your youth and the spirits are like fucking great and grandma's <laughs> like i'm gonna draw a pentagram and mean it and the spirits are like how dare you like i just i can't <laughs> i can't um uh, but i so i don't think she's a heartless maybe use some sort of heartless aspects to something but no okay. yeah so just random food for thought just for one of your problems you're saying like <laughs> you know adding like why would she choose uh this she's trying to like get better karma and stuff um i mean with bad car like karma and stuff that kind of has to do with like if the spirits to do what you want right so it's like if you're trying to practice and you already have like incredibly incredibly <sighs> terrible karma how are you gonna practice if the spirits aren't gonna do anything that you want you know <laughs> i don't know Nobody should be a demon practitioner. Is stupid. <laughs> They're gonna eat you. It's Faust. Okay, yeah. Um, what kind of practitioner are you saying Grandma Rose is now? Because you said heartless, but you're talking about demons. So, yeah, I don't really think she's a heartless. She's like a. She's like the Satan. <laughs> she's the <laughs> Satan. <laughs> yeah, she would buy Lil Nas X's shoes. I don't know if y'all know about that. Lil Nas X has a new devil themed music video and he's selling shoes that have like real drops of human blood in them <laughs> as part of this thing. It's a lot, y'all. Whose blood is it? Did he get his blood? I don't know. <laughs> he steal a bag from a blood bank? Maybe. That's jacked up because people need blood. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I don't know. Maybe not that one. It's a lot. Anyway, I don't know. I I hope why. Um, I don't know. I I you can bleed on your own shoes. <laughs> I mean, it's like what? This is. <laughs> I'm so confused. I think you can bleed on your own shoes would be a good episode title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. <sighs> but you think Grandma would be okay with those shoes? I mean, you I think, think Grandma. Would would be making her own pair like oh yeah let's get some bloody shoes in this mess that's gonna help me with i mean she probably see i i think that grandma made the shoes that inspired these shoes but better like i think that you know those like christian whatever like the the high heels with like like the red on the back um yeah that are like yeah like expensive and stuff i think that grandma made some of those with like real human blood or ooh, what if she made like the heels light up and like look like little flames, and then it'd be like little demon hellfire shoes with blood on them, right? That was totally I mean, worth all the negative karma that it took. To oh yeah, like so much negative karma. That's that's what she was. She was like, well, I made some some enemies. Sorry guys. She 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 didn't really mention like I also added some bad karma because I had some kick ass looking shoes. Um. 
Maybe that that could be an implement, you know, some <gasps> demon hellfire shoes that light up. Yeah. They never run out of battery power. Yeah. Because they run off the light that, like, I don't know. Now I just have this whole, like, the devil wears Prada thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, her <sighs> her shoes are the implement that allow her to ascend the 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 ladder to to greatness. Can you imagine, like, if, like, Blake had to have those hand shoes? me down and we use those like not only he has to m- w- marry a man and he's straight <laughs> but he also has to wear these really awesome like light up heels yeah it's a, mean, it's like an honor really it's, um, it really is he should just i mean just embrace it your rose i mean you know like it'll be fine <laughs> all right so now that we're done with all that basically gonna see how uh, malia you think this these two chapters compared to pale did you see any comparisons that you want to make or um anything that you were thinking of or yeah the so the thing that i'm trying to figure out is um what kind of town is jacob's bell and i was thinking about it in comparison to kennett like we were talking about earlier kennett is really um not doing well economically and so i was like okay there's a it's a franchise not like a cute little coffee shop and like maybe that means that jacob's bell isn't doing as well because I sort of associate franchises with like, like rundown McDonald's sorts of things, as opposed to like cute local coffee shops are all like happy and nice and their drinks are a little more expensive, but like you're happy. Whereas you go to the franchise like for predictability, but also for like cost effectiveness, maybe. But it doesn't seem like Kennett, where it's like, oh, it's all the drug dealers and the snowboarders and the whatever. Um, and like none of these shops are open, lol. I so I'm trying to figure that out, and that those were an interesting vibe. But then the other thing that really struck me was how populated Jacob's Bell is, particularly with practitioners. Like we didn't see another practitioner for a long time in Pale, mm-hmm. and it makes sense to me why Elliot was apparently like freaking out about secret hidden practitioners all the time because like they're everywhere like these people in this town <laughs> like <laughs> they're all practitioners it feels like whereas in kennett it was much more isolated as far as we know okay. there are no secret practitioners in kennett yeah that's that's fair and so they basically have free reign to do whatever they want whereas like jacob's bell is really full and there's like camps and people are like watching each other and like you run into people walking down the street i feel like the Kenneteers never run into people walking down the street. Like they saw Pam that one time. Yeah. Um, but here it's just like, ah, oh, there's all these people, and I don't know. It's it's a different vibe. That's that's a good point. All right. Um, on to last week's discussion question. Out of all the books in Grandma Rose's library, which one would catch your eye and why? So we got some pretty good responses. Um, We'll start with Bavarian Barbarian, which is a fantastic name, by the way. They said they enjoyed uh, the sounds of jokes from the fairy folk. Basically, we're like, that can't be too bad, right? They're just jokes. You know, what's so bad about that? Otherwise, if they had to choose something else, they'd go for Blessed Wrongs. And they said they would hope it's just blurst images in text form. Which, fair enough. I don't really love looking at blurred images, but could be catchy to some people, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Menalon agreed that Blessed Wrongs sounded intriguing. They thought that it's catchy, it seems contradictory, um, and they thought based on Pale, 
it, maybe it's talking about others like Tashlet and her family. They also like the sound of Lilith's children. Thought it could also be a similar vibe, but maybe Blessed Wrongs was like the OG curse and Lilith's children are like, and then what happens to your descendants kind of a thing. All right. Um, Hero of Old Iron says, basically said that none of the texts seem very interesting <laughs> to them. They basically said if there were any books on like magic blacksmithing, that would be kind of ideal, which that does sound pretty cool. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> The bee vampire said so they'd flip through on other seditions and that they'd like to read pitiable colon transcriptions from informal dialogues with vampire, uh, mostly because the word pitiable is really kind of like intriguing. Like, what does that mean? Tag guide. I said that really weird. I'm sorry. Tag guide. Tagged. <laughs> they picked quite a few books. I think they picked five. I'm just going to go over their three. So their number one pick was... Wu Zen, Eastern Bodan Practices. It's basically an Afro-Caribbean religion in China. We know what's not to like about that. That sounds kind of amazing. Um, that's what they were saying. And second and third picks are Lilith's children and classifying others, fiends and darker beings. Yeah, Violet Faith thought that glimmers and gasps and dryads and classifying others all sounded neat. Yeah, I kind of, I, I feel like glimmers and gasps sounds kind of cool to me too. It's I don't a even great know title. Why. It's a great title. And then we've got Captain Rhino. Basically said if they were Blake, um, they'd pick Dramatis Personae just because they know the locals and get to figure out who doesn't like them, <laughs> which is a pretty pretty good logic to that, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, if it was just them choosing Poppets. Poppets. Just because they're like, I don't know why. But it just sounds kind of cool. <laughs> don't know anything about it. <laughs> And then finally, Clawford said that they would pick the Dreode book. Sorry to all our assumedly Gaelic Gaelic listeners out there. They said they'd pick it based solely on the inset decoration. It's more decorated, so it feels more important. So Clawford judges books by their covers, but don't we all? (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's how I picked most of my books just growing (laughs) up. If it didn't have a good cover, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, had to have good font. Mm. which is kind of stupid but you know what it actually kind of worked well either all the books either i would have just liked them all anyway (laughs) (laughs) who knows we'll move on to our discussion question so explain karma and how others work to malia because she still doesn't get it no i'm just kidding malia (laughs) wrote that so don't get mad at me Um, no malia's actually doing pretty good on all that um serious discussion question Using Laird's hypothetical world politics metaphor, describe Kennet. You can also include the Blue Heron Institute if you'd like. Um, I like that hypothetical world politics metaphor. Yeah. I'm really curious to see what y'all come up with. Um, I, we don't, or I don't want to give too many like examples or whatever, because I really am curious to see how like totally how you structure it, like get creative. I'm really um, stoked yeah. for this discussion question. Yeah. I mean, and if you guys like... I don't know if you'd rather use like states or I don't know, whatever is that you're more familiar with as opposed to like actual continents or countries or whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just let us know what you think from that. Cause I'm kind of curious what, what you guys are going to say. Anyway, thanks for listening guys. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to support Wild Bo as he continues to write fantastic stories, go to patreon.com slash wildbo. 
You can follow the pod on Twitter at Pale Comparison or send us an email at paleincomparisonpod at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for our Pale in Comparison Reddit thread. Fun fact, the first vacuum cleaners were so large that they were horse-drawn and couldn't fit indoors. Bye! Bye!